Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. Today's episode is brought to you by the WMU Foundation through the Jessica Powell Loftus Endowment for Act Teens. Act Teens is a missions discipleship program of Women's Missionary Union for girls grades 7 through 12. Today's guest is my friend, Liz Insinia, Executive Director of Kentucky WMU. I hope you enjoy listening. Liz, it's great to see you. <laughs> it's good to see you. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Mm. I love following you on Facebook. You just got your doctorate. Yes. Shall I call you Dr. Liz during the podcast? You can if you'd like to. <laughs> I'm still getting used to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank we you are so very much. proud of you, Dr. Liz. Thank you. And you've just bought a new house. <laughs> I know. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> I'm growing up all the hashtag adulting things. <laughs> Absolutely. And you've been in Kentucky how long? Going on three years now. So you are the executive director of Kentucky WMU. That's mm-hmm. You're kind of new in that role, yes. relatively mm-hmm. new. You finished your doctorate. You have bought a new house. It seems like you're rocking the world. Does success just come easy for you? <laughs> Not at all. (laughs) I feel like every accomplishment, there has been a journey behind it. If you're hiking, I would say most of my pathways are off terrain. You know, (laughs) I kind of feel that it's that way. (laughs) Taking the long way to get to where you want to be. I I would say so. Mm -hmm. Well, what's your proudest moment about completing your doctorate? Oh, I think that ending project and facilitating a week-long leadership series and having a participant come back and say, Liz, I use these tools in my own church. And it changed the way that we talk about WMU with their pastor, with the children's minister. And I just never knew how to approach those conversations before. And now they're willing to try it. So, you know, that was just so exciting to see something that I was able to develop, a tool that is able to help someone else. Well, you spend a lot of your time helping others, coaching Mm -hmm. others, mentoring others. Leadership is your sweet spot, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I think so. Well, and it has been a long journey Mm -hmm. to get here. And that's really why I wanted to talk to you about today, because I think your experience, somebody could look on the outside and think, oh my gosh, She's got it all together. Yeah. But it hasn't always been easy, has it? No, it hasn't. And I think your testimony today is going to encourage those that are listening, those that are dealing with teenagers that are hurting. What happened when you were a teenager? You know, I had a lot of discouraging moments, and I didn't realize that I had some bouts of depression. I didn't realize that until later on in life. I think there was some series of disappointments in my life. So Liz, today doesn't look like it did even 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. does it? Mm -hmm. When you say it's been a journey, it has been a journey. Some things happened during your young adult years. Walk me through that. Mm -hmm. Well, I look back at experiences that I had, even going into my childhood years of disappointment and things that I was just struggling with that I thought, 
well, I'm a believer. You know, this shouldn't be happening to me. And then even in my teenage years, whether I was going out for being a drum major for my second year in a row or looking at the top school that I wanted to attend or things like that, and things were just not falling into place. And so my thought process was, but I'm a good Christian girl. Like Things like this shouldn't be happening. I shouldn't be struggling. I shouldn't have these feelings. And, and I didn't really understand my testimony at the time. I didn't even think I technically had a testimony. And I think a lot of teenagers think that way as well. If you grew up in the church. Especially if you're a pastor's daughter exactly. like you were. Exactly. And so I think about those moments and I struggled, but I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it. In Hispanic churches, and maybe all churches, but I grew up in Hispanic churches, there were taboo subjects you didn't talk about in the church. As Hispanic women, we just don't talk about that. We just yeah. suffer in silence. Yes. Um, and yet, I was struggling. And so let's fast forward to college years. Talk about that journey towards doctoral work. I was on academic probation. I struggled pulling up my GPA. I didn't get into the master's program my first time because my GPA was too low. And yet I knew that the Lord wanted me to continue in academia. And I kept seeing, man, you're turned down for this. You're rejected here. They said, no, I'm sorry. We're not going to accept you for this turn. It felt like rejection after rejection after rejection. And, and it took a toll on you. Very much so. So fast forward another 10 or so years, I hit my 30s. I thought life was supposed to be different by that point. I figured, hey, I thought I was done with school at that time. I was turning 30. I felt like, wow, well, I mean, I have a full-time job, but I should be married with kids and started comparing myself to fellow church members and friends. And, That's a and, common problem. Yeah, exactly. And so again, I felt the continuation of, is this continued rejection? And then again saying, Lord, but I'm obeying you. I'm following after you. I, I'm trusting you with all the firsts of everything. Yeah. And, and I'm doing what you feeling, want. Why aren't you um, giving me the desires of my heart? Yeah. And goodness, Sandy, sometimes I struggle with that today. But as a 30-year-old, I was bottling it all up. I wasn't talking about it. And so I realized that something was going on when I started floundering at work. You know, I was letting the ball fall here. I wasn't doing my best here. I was missing appointments there. I was double booking myself because I wasn't watching the calendar. I was doing all these things. And I was emotionally stuck. And so I turned to something that I didn't know I had never thought I would struggle with. I began to cut. And even in that process, I thought, but I'm a good Christian girl. So I'm not going to cut real deep. So there's no like immediate, like where other people can't tell, but I'm just going to do it slightly so that I know. And for me, it's almost like it helped ease the pain. I was going to ask you, what did that do for you? Did it focus the pain elsewhere so you didn't feel the pain that it turned the pain into a physical pain that so mm -hmm. you didn't have to deal with the emotional pain? Yep. Yep. 
That's what it did. And there's other things that I know about myself now that I now think, wow, that started a long time ago. I just didn't realize self-harm had started when I was in high school. It just manifested itself. So I remember having a conversation with Terry Ussery from WMEO Texas when I worked there. And we had a really good conversation. I just kind of unloaded and she was like, you need to talk to Sandy about this. And so I remember having that conversation with you from Houston back to Dallas. And probably your words were the ones that challenged me the most to see somebody. Because the thought of talking to someone about my problems, you know, was, wow, well, what does this mean? Am I a bad leader? And and those were the things I was believing about myself already. And seeing a therapist or a counselor, everything in my head was saying, well, you just need to pray more. (laughs) You know, just pray more, read your Bible more. And yet that wasn't that wasn't doing it. I needed somebody to talk to. And so I saw somebody and that road, those conversations, those questions were deep. They were painful. And I remember her saying, she said, does this bother you? The thing that I was sharing with her. And I was like, no, I'm fine. And she said, no, something does this bother you and she asked me again and I said no I'm fine she goes you're not fine I'm looking at you right now and you are like literally you have alligator tears falling from your eyes are you okay and I was like yes I'm fine I had totally detached myself from my feelings because I didn't want to feel the pain It's no wonder I had gone to a different way to deal with my pain because I didn't want to feel it. Because in my mind, as a leader, as a pastor's kid, you don't show people that you're having trouble. That stays covered up in the home and you don't share that. And I thought I had done such a great job of shielding my emotions from everyone, but it backfired on me. And it wasn't till... We walked through, we journeyed together, that there was stuff in my home life, stuff, gosh, that I'd carried with me for years that I needed to address. And when I started to address those things, there was such freedom. And I was like, man, if I would have known this when I was a teenage girl, what a difference it would have made. It was, it was freedom then, but it was very painful going through that. Mm-hmm. I remember it wasn't one trip to the counselor, boom, Mm-mm. we're done. It was a hard journey for you. Yeah. yeah. But I'm so proud of you. You made the commitment to keep going mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. And in this role of being a leader in an assignment like executive director and I now know, I know this is a a word that's been popularly used right now, your triggers. I know what triggers me. And so I can see the signs of when I'm not dealing with something right. And, And I'm grateful. I still see a counselor today. And I'm so grateful for that because she helps me process some things that I still carry 
and I still am working through. And like I mentioned, I praise God. He has helped me from cutting again, but I'm aware. The one thing that I do catch myself doing, which is what I did back in high school, is when things are getting hard to process, I pinch myself. So every now and then I will unknowingly be pinching myself and someone will call me on it. Why do you have a bruise on your arm? Why do you have a bruise on your, you know, whatever? And I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize I was going down. That you had done it. Mm -hmm. Well, Liz, so, what have you learned about yourself in this long journey that's taken years? Well, I learned that it's okay. It's okay to... It's okay to struggle and ask people for help to help you walk down the journey. And there have been several times where I've shared with other women's groups or just friends, and they share with me, you know what, my daughter's dealing with depression. She's dealing with this. And just being able to say, hey, I've been there too. <laughs> like you said, you look at me and you see, oh, well, there's accomplishments here. Let's pull out her resume. Oh, look at her resume. It's great. They haven't seen the struggle, and the struggle is real. I know that that's a cliche thing to say, but Don't it you is. think everyone struggles with something? I told my daughter the other day, my daughter is so weird. She gets up at five to study her college classes, and I'm, I'm like, Hannah, you're the weirdest college student I know. But the other night at dinner, I said, Hannah, you know what makes success look easy? Hard work. Mm -hmm. It's just every day showing up and making better choices mm -hmm. than you did yesterday, determined to do the right thing, putting yeah. your best foot yeah. forward. Yeah. And hard work is what makes success. And, and like you said, it's not a one day to the next fix. You understand, and I think most WMU world now knows that my dad passed away unexpectedly in October. And that's been hard on yeah. me. It's been so hard on me. And I had a conversation with my therapist the other day and then with my mentor because I have felt really lonely in this season and then having friends who they haven't lost parents. So how do we help Liz grieve through this and that kind of thing? And I told my mentor, I said, you know, I'm I'm really struggling right now because I don't have my dad. And And he told me, he said, you know, we would have never known because you come across as such an independent young woman. You got things going. Like you said, yeah. you just graduated. You just bought a house. I'm like, yeah. I said, and even through the house buying process, felt like I need to share these things with my dad. Yeah. And I was struggling even through that. I'm praising the Lord, yes, for his favor and for those opportunities. Not everyone gets to do that, and yet it was hard to celebrate. It was hard to be happy and excited about it because I was missing him. And, and it was a reminder of, hey, you need to tell us. You need to tell us. And, and so I still struggle with that, struggling, saying, hey, I need help because <laughs> I've been so self-reliant and sometimes prideful about it of, hey, I'm able to do this, and I was able to do whatever, but recognizing that I do need people. One of the things that we do as mission leaders is to pour our lives into younger people. Mm -hmm. 
And so we have a lot of people listening out there that are mentoring teenage girls. What advice would you give them? I would just say walk their journey with them. They have so many different questions, and some of those questions might be taboo for (laughs) church ears, but they need to know. And if we don't talk with them and we don't journey with them as godly women, who are they going to turn to to answer their questions? And they might not get it right and the first time. They might struggle through. They're going to be grappling with everything because they see what the world has to offer and what the world is sharing with them. But as we as godly women point them to truth and just be real with them. I looked at so many women in my life and I just thought they were all perfect because they never talked about their struggle. And when I got to be that young adult, and I'm like, I'm struggling, but... I don't know anybody else who struggled <laughs> yeah. in And I'm not going to share with these ladies. They're perfect. Yes. Yeah. You know? What will they think? <laughs> exactly. And so just allowing that. I think that's why I think about acting. It's that opportunity for girls just to do life with godly women. And, you know, they don't have to prove themselves. They're just growing in their faith. And so, you know, ladies, if you're listening, I would say just walk alongside those girls. And love them, love Love them, them. love them, no matter what. Yes, no matter what. Because in today's day, everything's conditional that they see. They experience unconditional love from godly women who share life with them, who don't put this perfect facade on. Man, that could be... a change maker for them. Yeah. That could change it all. It absolutely can. Mm-hmm. I also think about our next social issue is going to be mental health. Mm. And you talk about taboo. Yes. There are so mm-hmm. many. I just, every time a social issue comes out from WMU, I think, wow, God knew exactly what we needed when we needed it. Yeah. And that's what I think about this one. Mm-hmm. I was reading an article today about the C generation, the COVID generation that are seven-year-olds now, (laughs) Mm -hmm. babies who for an entire year, their whole year have grown up knowing nothing but the pandemic, being Mm -hmm. confined to their house. Mm -hmm. And the article talked about the repercussions of the mental health issues that this generation is going to be dealing with. So I'm, I was, as I was reading the article, I was thinking, God, thank you Mm -hmm. for putting this on our hearts right now so we could be ready. So what would you tell those listening as we get ready to launch mental health? I would say be ready and willing because walking alongside someone who is struggling. It's not pretty, is it? It's not pretty. And it's not going to change overnight. And there is that element of, man, but I just checked on her. I need to check on her again. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's going to take some sacrifice, some commitment, lots of love and care. I, I would agree wholeheartedly with all those things. I also think it's going to take an understanding that you're not going to be able to fix the person. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Know when you're in over your head Mm -hmm. and help that person seek help. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And here's the thing that we have to be careful with as well, is we're not all psychologists. 
And so, of course, we don't want to go around diagnosing people. Oh, you got the, oh, I'm sure you have this. I can, saying, you know what? I can help you find somebody. Absolutely. A Baptist children's home would be a great place to start. Mm -hmm. A lot of them have counselors. Mm -hmm. Check with your association, with your state convention. Yes. A lot of larger mm -hmm. churches have counselors they on do. staff. And really, sometimes we can go in thinking, yeah, but I don't have a big enough problem to go in to talk to somebody. Really, there's some things that you might be struggling with that you don't even realize they're there until you have someone who is not in your life on a daily basis. They have no ties to what you're going through, so they can be a neutral ear to listen and to help you see things that you don't see for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Liz, what did you learn about God during this process? What, what have you learned about God through your young adult years? That's a great question, Sandy. I've learned that no problem is too big for him. And my feelings and my emotions aren't too crazy for him. He's seen it. So when I'm struggling through something, struggling through singleness, whatever it is, that he's like, okay, I've heard that before. It's okay. It's okay for you to ask that. And that my feelings are okay with him. The one thing that I have learned is that he just wants us to lean in on him on those times. I think that's when the flesh is like, that's when that tries to fight you and say, no, don't, you know, don't lean in. Don't read your Bible more. Don't do this. That's where the enemy tries to attack because why would he want you to have this loving relationship with a loving, amazing God? Well, that's you an know? interesting point, Liz. <laughs> I was reading a book and the line struck me, I don't know if I'll get it right, it said, to think about being a strong Christian is an inaccurate theology mm -hmm. because the Bible says, when I am weak, he is strong. But so many of us try to make it on our own. And it's only when we get too overwhelmed that we turn to him mm -hmm. and lean into him, like yeah. you said. Yeah. Well, Liz, I want you to know how incredibly proud I am of you, Dr. Liz. <laughs> Thank you. And that I know your father was very proud of you. I know the pain of losing him is fresh and raw every day, but he is proud of you too, mm -hmm. and we all are. And we can't wait to see what <laughs> God does with this. I believe yeah. nothing goes unused in kingdom economy. Mm -hmm. God takes the pain that we've experienced. Yeah and we're able to help someone else. So thank you for being willing to share yeah. with me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me and asking me to be a part of this podcast. I know that so many people have been blessed by it, and I hope my story blesses someone. Maybe it's that teenage girl in the church or that young adult or that Debbie Muir who has been serving for years, that they too would know that it's okay. <laughs> it is okay. Well, thank you, Liz, for being with me. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of On the Journey Conversations. I am so grateful Liz was willing to share her difficult journey. In a recent article for the Alabama Baptist, Tracy Riggs wrote, the statistics are troubling. 
According to the National Institutes of Mental Health, nearly one in five adults in the United States lives with some type of mental illness and less than half of those receive help. Applied across a church congregation of 250 members, the statistics suggest that as many as 50 people in the congregation are living with a diagnosable mental illness. These can include disorders in the categories of mood, eating, trauma, substance abuse, personality, anxiety, psychotic, and more. No one is immune to mental illness. We need to have wisdom and discernment as we encounter people who are struggling. May God give us courage to talk openly and honestly, as well as seek help for ourselves and those we love.